الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على خاتم الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد الأمين وعلى آله وأصحابه الطيبين الطاهرين ومن تبعهم بإحسان ودعا بدعوتهم إلى يوم الدين أما بعد My dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam, respected elders and young friends and students, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So, the final talk for tonight is regarding the prophetic community forging unparalleled bonds of unity about ittihad, unity, the importance of unity and how we can achieve unity and how we can protect ourselves from disunity. Allahu Akbar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, Ya ayuhal ladheena amanu attaqullah haqqa tuqatih wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimoon wa a'tasimu bihablillahi jami'an wa la tafarraqu wa adhkuru ni'matallahi alaykum ith kuntum a'da'a فألف بين قلوبكم فأصبحتم من نعمته إخوانا وكنتم على شفا حفرة من النار فأنقذكم منها كذلك يبين الله لكم آياته لعلكم تهتدون صدق الله العظيم In these ayat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us two commands One command is regarding us as individuals and one command is regarding us as a society, as a community If we fulfill these two commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then we will be successful in all fronts the command regarding us as individuals is taqwa. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, O those who believe, ittaqullah, inculcate taqwa in your lives. How much? Not when you feel like it, as much as easy for you, but rather haqqa tuqati, the way it is the right of Allah that you fear Him. And make sure you do not die, but in the state of Islam. وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ Then Allah Ta'ala says, وَعَتَصِيمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا Hold on firmly to the rope of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Abdullah bin Mas'ud said Rasulullah he defined the Habulullah, the rope of Allah, that this is the Kitabullah, the book of Allah. Wala tafarraqu and do not become disunited, do not become divided amongst yourself. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not only give us a command to be united, he also identifies for us what is that factor that can unite us. The only way we can be united is if we hold on firmly to the book of Allah. The benefits of unity are such that there are no differences of opinion about it. All human beings agree that unity is beneficial. United we stand, divided we fall. So we all agree that unity is desirable. Unity is beneficial. Unity is maqsood, matloob. But despite this, this unity at all levels are, is increasing. Why so? It is because Unity on what? We can all be united on what I say. We can all be united on what you say. Everyone is inviting towards unity based on their own agenda. Based on their own desires. Based on their own platform. Their own slogans. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given everyone different intelligence, different way of approaching things. So, no one wants to give up their own ideology to submit to anyone else's ideology. There are other ways people are calling towards being united on their color, on their region, on their language. This will by default exclude others. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He gives us the command to unite, He identifies for us the single factor that could potentially unite us all. And that is the book of Allah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have any particular relation with anyone. Allah ta'ala is, is not biased in anyone's favor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the khaliq and we are all his makhluq, we are all his creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not give preference to anyone group, anyone language, anyone people or any other people. We are all equal in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we agree to submit to the will of Allah as outlined by Allah in the Quran, then and only then we can achieve unity. At every different, at every level. So if there is a husband and a wife, and they're having problems in their marriage, that Mawlana alluded to, that happens in healthy marriages as well. As one marriage uh, psychologist, he mentioned that 
there is no 100% compatible spouse. Right? The successful marriage is not the one where you find a 100% compatible spouse. Rather, the successful marriage is the one in which you learn how to manage the incompatibilities. So incompatibilities will be there. It's a matter of how to manage them. So, if the husband has a, one idea and the wife has her idea, and husband wants his way, the wife wants her way, this is my family's way, this is my understanding, this is my understanding, they're fighting. So, the only way they can be united is if they both say, okay, let's forget what I think, let's forget what you think, let's both submit to what Allah says. That husband and wife will be united. If the parents are saying something, the kids are saying something, they're fighting. If the parents and the kids, they both say, we will submit to what Allah says, there'll be unity in that family. The brothers, there'll be unity. Business partners, there'll be unity. Neighbors, there'll be unity in that neighborhood. And masjid boards, masjid communities, if they all agree to submit to Allah, then that will be the key to unity in that masjid, in that community, in that city, in that state, in that country, in that, in that world. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hold on firmly to the rope of Allah. The rope of Allah, the book of Allah. This rope is extending from the, from the creation to the creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is one single rope. If everyone gathers together to hold on to that rope, that rope is never going to break because of the pressure. Everyone pulling on it, it's never going to snap. A person may end up losing his grip on the rope and become lost. This is the straight path. Follow it. Don't follow the other paths. Don't hold on to anything else. So a person may go astray. Leave the path. Leave the book of Allah. But the book of Allah will remain strong. Because the book of Allah is the kalam of Allah. The kalam of Allah is the sifat of Allah. The sifat of Allah will always be there. And will always be preserved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Till the end of time when Allah will uplift it. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us how to be united. And then He prohibits disunity. He says, Do not become disunited. Do not fight on one another. Rasulullah sallallahu said, Do not have hasad. Do not be jealous of one another. Do not hate on one another. Do not plot behind each other, each other's backs. Be the slaves of Allah, ikhwanan, as brothers. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, So, this is something that we see in marketing today. That one of the most persuasive methods of marketing is personal testimonials. So if you take, for example, different weight loss programs, one of the most effective marketing methodologies is that they have the before and after picture. Before you signed up for this program, this is how the person looked like. And a person, it, you know, it resonates with the person. Wow, that looks like me. <laughs> and after you sign up the program, this is how you look. Then the person will be like, wow, that's how I want to become. So similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He shows in the Quran, what the condition was before Islam and what the condition has become after Islam. With respect to women's rights, with respect to animal rights, with respect to Tawheed and Shirk, with respect to so many different aspects. Or Shirk followed by Tawheed. So over here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Remember the favor of Allah upon you when you were enemies of one another, sworn enemies. So to be able to truly appreciate the transformative nature of our deen in the miracle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we cannot appreciate that until we deeply study how jahiliyyah was. After we realize how bad jahiliyyah was, then we can realize how beautiful and great Islam is. So Allah Ta'ala says, إِذْ كُنْتُمْ You are sworn enemies of one another. And the way they used to fight with one another, the way they used to kill each other, blood feuds for generations, just because, فَإِنَّ الْمَاءَ مَا أَبِي this is the, the well that my forefathers, they dug it. It belongs to me and my forefathers and my family. And how dare your camel drank the water from my well and the well of my grandfather. 
So he kills the camel and then the one whose camel was killed kills the killer of the camel. And then the one who uh, was killed, then they go back and kill the person who killed their guy. And then the blood feud starts for generations. They're killing each other. So this is how much hatred they had. Allah Ta'ala says, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He's the one who united your hearts. Then you became through His favor, through the favor of Allah, you became you became brothers. So I was sharing this ayah with some of our friends last night in one gathering. So this is a reminder, a repetition for them and a reminder for myself and everyone else as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said here that you will become brothers. He didn't say you will become like brothers. He said you will become brothers. So this is the difference between a simile and a metaphor. Simile is like you will become like brothers. A metaphor is to say you will become brothers. And that is how much love you will have with one, uh, you have now for each other. So those who are killing each other for, uh, for generations because of someone drank water first, that didn't quote-unquote belong to them, now they are giving their lives for each other to feed their brother first and dying thirsty, subhanAllah. The situation is exactly opposite. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, how dangerous the situation had become. Allah Ta'ala says, وَكُنْتُمْ عَلَىٰ مِنَ النَّارِ You are on the edge of the pit of the fire of Jahannam. You are on the edge of the cliff, ready to fall into the pit of Jahannam. That's how uh, bad your situation had become. How dangerous position you were in. فَأَنْقَذَكُمْ مِنْهَا Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala saved you from that. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala saved you from such a dangerous predicament. You are on the edge of the pit of the fire of Jahannam. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly mentions his signs. So that you may be rightly guided. So the Os and the Khazraj, they were fighting with each other in Medina. And the Arab tribes were killing each other, fighting with each other throughout the Arabian Peninsula. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided them through, the, through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa through the mu'jizah and miracle of the Qur'an. And they, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forged such bonds of brotherhood, sisterhood, that is unparalleled in the annals of human history. When the muhajirun, they came from Makkah al-Mukarramah, they gave up their families, they gave up their livelihoods, they gave up their life savings, they gave up everything and came to Madinah al-Munawwara. The way the Ansar greeted them, the way the Ansar hosted them, subhanAllah. This is mentioned many times that the Ansar not only said that whatever gardens they have, we'll give you half. And whatever wealth we have, we'll give you half. Whatever homes we have, we'll give you half. We'll divide it up. So much so that they said that whoever had two wives, that whichever wife you would like between them, I'm ready to divorce her so you can get married. This is a need that you have as you are single and you have come from Makkah. You can even marry one of my wives. This, was, this is mentioned a lot of times. What's not mentioned and needs to be mentioned along with it is that not a single such offer was accepted. Right? No, no muhajir, not a single muhajir accepted this offer of, okay, fine, I'll marry this one. Na'udhu billah. So, that's why it's important to say the whole truth, right? When you go to court, you say, I speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Yes, it is true that this offer was made. It is also true that it was never accepted and taken up. So, this is the muakhat, the brotherhood that was established by Rasulullah How do the people of the world purchase loyalty? Is by uh, dishing out money, kickbacks. And the kings of that time, they would purchase the loyalty, uh, the loyalties of the different tribes by buying off their leaders. By giving them money and gifts underhand, under the table, so that they can purchase their loyalty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لَوْ أَنْفَقْتَ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا If you would spend all the money in the world to purchase the loyalty of these warring tribes, مَا أَلَّفْتَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ You would not be able to unite them. You would never be able to unite them. وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ أَلَّفَ بَيْنَهُمْ 
It is Allah alone who united them. So it's not through money, it's not through kickbacks or benefits. This was only through the blessing of the Quran, the Kitabullah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the same passage, He moves on to say, If you want to achieve unity in the society, and you want to create such a society, which is holding on firmly to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we cannot be focused just on ourselves as individuals. We have to be worried about the direction the entire community is heading towards. We have to have the concern for humanity. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next ayah says that there needs to be people who are dedicated, يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْخَيْرِ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ who invite towards goodness. وَيَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ they invite towards that which is right. Forbid, uh, they invite towards goodness. And they prevent that which is evil. And they are the successful ones. In fact, they alone are the successful ones. Now, one point here the scholars mention is that if we are going to inculcate taqwa in our lives, and we're going to individually be trying our best to hold on to the Qur'an, and we're not going to be concerned about what's happening around us, how are you going to have unity? It's going to be unity between, you know, you, you yourself, and you know, as I say, me, myself, and I. That's it. No one else. So that is why a part of our deen is to have this concern, what is happening to the society at large. Stop thinking only about ourselves, but start thinking about the community. And when Allah Ta'ala speaks about inviting towards good and forbidding evil, He says, They invite towards ma'roof. They command ma'roof and they pro prohibit and forbid munkar. Now there are many other words, perhaps words which are even more commonly used for good deeds. And there are so many different words which are used for sins. For sins, you have ma'asi, you have khati'ah, you have so many different words, sins. But Allah Ta'ala used the word munkar. And when, for good deeds, Allah Ta'ala used the word ma'roof. So why are these words used? There is a lesson in there for us as well. Since we're talking about unity and holding on to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is with respect to our aqaid, with respect to our aqidah. But at the same time, this same ayah is misused by those who do not understand that there is scope for valid differences of opinion in juristic matters, in fiqh matters. And they say that you have divided up the ummah, different imams of fiqh, different interpretations of the deen. You should get rid of all of these fuqaha, get rid of all of these imams who have divided up the ummah. And they quote this ayah. You are dividing the ummah in different categories, whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, become united. This is again with respect to aqaid, beliefs. When it comes to, <clears throat> for example, Amantu Billah, wa malaikatihi, wa kutubihi, wa rasulihi, wa liyom al akhiri, wa al qadri, khairihi, wa sharihi, wa nallahi ta'ala, wa al ba'athi ba'ad al maut, the articles of faith. There, of course, there's no acceptable difference of opinion. With respect to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, khatim al nabiyin, there's no difference of opinion. We can't say, okay, let's be united with the qadianis. Or, Let's be united with the Rawafid or those who cursed Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and Umar radiallahu anhu and Uthman radiallahu anhu. Those who cursed the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A'udhu billah. Cursed the majority of the Sahaba. So there is no unity with, on, 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 and you know, we open the doors, the floodgates. In fact, go so far with interfaith nowadays that all... Abrahamic faiths. And then, then you have, you know, the, uh, those who say that whoever believes in a divine being. So if you keep on opening it, and um, so there is, this, this is not unity. Unity is on the Quran, the Kitabullah. So we have to understand what are acceptable differences of opinion, what are unacceptable differences of opinion. 
So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here, He says they invite, He says, يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ Ma'roof is a passive participle, it means that which is well known. Meaning, they are good deeds concerning which there may be an ikhtilaf, juristic difference of opinion. That's not ma'roof. Ma'roof is that which is widely accepted by the jumur of the ummah. The majority of the ummah opinion is that this is the correct way of doing the thing, of fulfilling the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you invite, to, you invite towards that. And yanahuna, they prohibit munkar, that which is rejected. means rejected by everyone. If something is, there's a difference of opinion about it, then that is not something to battle about. Like, I don't want to make this a fiqh lesson, but if, if for example, uh, something that there may be a different opinion about is shrimp. So, if somebody's eating shrimp, he's enjoying his, whatever, shrimp dish, shrimp salad, shrimp or whatever, and then, you know, you go on a crusade against him, and you say, I'm doing munkar. I'm forbidding that, which is haram. This is misunderstanding of the ayah, because the ayah uses the word munkar. Munkar means that which is rejected by all of the fuqaha, majority of the ummah. If there's a consensus against something being haram, that's munkar. So let us, there's enough things to go out and fight out, you know, to speak out against. Against shirk, against all of the haram that is documented and recognized by everyone. So that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Nahi al munkar. Now, if these minor differences of opinion were actual disunity, then this ayah, even the Sahaba we would have to reach the wrong conclusion, they didn't even practice upon it either. Because they had difference of opinion. So what does that tell us? When it comes to the basic aqaid, the fundamentals of faith, there is no difference of opinion, there is no scope for ikhtilaf. And when it comes to fiqhi issues, we should have this broader understanding that these are all acceptable as long as they are based on the Quran, the Sunnah, consensus of the Ummah, Qiyas, analogy, and have been uh, opinions articulated by the recognized fuqaha of this Ummah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells us after that, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ تَفَرَّقُوا وَاخْتَلَفُوا مِن بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُمْ بَيِّنَاتُ وَأُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ Do not become like those who divided up their religion prior to you. And even after clear evidences, بَيِّنَاتُ came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they continue to fight among themselves. مِن بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُمْ بَيِّنَاتُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted you the Qur'an, has granted us the Qur'an. This is a source of guidance, hold on to it firmly. And do not follow the footsteps of the Maghdubi alayhim and the Dalin, the Yehud and the Nasara, the past nations. Otherwise, then you will be resurrected with them. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. We ask from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, Ihdina Surat al-Mustaqeem, guide us along the straight path, the path of those whom, oh Allah, you have favored. Surat al-Ladina anamta alayhim, ghayr al-Maghdubi alayhim wal al-Dalin. Not the path of the Yehud, not the path of the Nasara. Those who earn the anger of Allah, those who went astray. So this is one passage wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about unity in the Qur'an and He identifies the factor that can unite us. We covered what are the permissible levels of differences of opinion and what are also impermissible differences of opinion. Second passage in the Qur'an wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is from Surah Al-Imran, now we move to Surah Anfal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu idha laqeetum fiyatan. O those who believe, when you face your enemy, our greatest enemy is Iblis in Junooduhu, his army. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna shaytan lakum aduwan. Verily, shaytan is your adu, aduwan mubeen, open enemy. So when you face your enemy, Fathbutu remains steadfast. Don't turn on your back. Fathbutu remains steadfast. Wathkurullah kathiran, and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. To gain protection from the attacks of your enemy, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. Wathkurullah kathiran. La'allakum tuflihun, so that you may be successful. And obey Allah and His Rasul. This will give you victory against your enemy. Do not dispute with one another. Do not argue and fight with one another. What will happen? You will become weak. And the supremacy Allah has given you, the authority in the land Allah has given you over your enemies. 
that will be taken away by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take away the dominance he has given you in this land. As a result of your fighting with each other. Wasbiru and be patient. Really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with those who are patient. Subhanallah. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ask us to be patient in the context of not fighting with one another? It is because naturally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given all of us different approaches and different ways of looking at things. And if we are going to be rigid and non-compromising in our approach, and it's my way or the highway, then we can never achieve unity. Again, at every level, from partners in a business, to families, to husband and wife, or those who are working together, colleagues, Muslim boards, Muslim communities, every single level. If we are not going to be tolerant of differences of opinion, we can never have unity. And this tolerance, how do we achieve tolerance? By having sabr. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَنَازَعُوا فَتَفْشَلُوا وَتَذَبَرِيحُكُمْ وَاصْبِرُوا That do not fight with one another, do not argue with one another. What's going to happen? The warning is that if you are, then you will lose your dominance, you will lose your strength, you will lose the, the awe that, you, that uh, you are inspiring your enemies, that will be removed, you will become powerless, you will seem weak, you will become weak, not only seem weak, and this is what's happening throughout the world. Wasbiru, be patient. Be tolerant. Do not be rigid. If you are going to be tolerant, what will we receive? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant his ma'iyah. He his divine power and presence will be with you. You'll have the ma'iyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you are tolerating differences of opinion. So this is something that we see all the time that is leading to fights. Is the ego. No one is willing to give up their own understanding. Their own version. And look at it from the other side. Another passage that I will quickly move on to. I'm just giving the few highlights and I'll conclude as it's quite late. It's been a working day, Friday. We have a big day tomorrow, inshallah. Is let us move on to Surah Al-Hujrat. Surah Al-Fal, we move forward to Surah Al-Hujrat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Hujrat, وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا Now, if there are groups of believers that they end up, start, uh, they start fighting with one another. They start arguing, the arguing leads to fighting. The true Muslim is which one? Al-Muslim وَمَنْ سَلِيمَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ مِنْ لِسَانِهِ وَيَدِهِ The true Muslim is the one that others are safe from his tongue and his hand. He doesn't verbally abuse anyone, doesn't physically abuse anyone. And Sibab al Muslim Fusuq wa Qitaluhu Kufr. Cursing someone is a major sin, killing them, na'udhu billah, is an act of kufr. Now these people are fighting, verbally abusing each other, or physically fighting. When two Muslims they start attacking each other with their swords, the killer and the killed, both are in the fire. Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, the one who killed. Very obvious, he killed the person. The one who kills a single human being as, as if he has committed a crime against all of humanity. So he goes in the fire. What about the one who was killed? So Nabi said, look, he didn't come out with the garland of flowers. He came out with his sword as well. He intended to kill. And he started the action of fighting. And he engaged in it. It just so happened he wasn't able to complete his mission. So he ended up... He wasn't, he wasn't like Habil, where, Habil told Qabil, if you want to kill me, he said, I'm going to kill you. He said, if you stretch forth your hand to kill me, I'm not going to be part of this crime. I'm not going to try to kill you back. So Qabil killed Habil and, and he has a, a portion of the sin of every murder till the day of judgment. Rasulullah mentioned in the hadith. So 
If the believers they start fighting with one another, Allah Ta'ala says, It is your responsibility to reconcile between them. Reconciliation. Reconciliation is good. And if we intend sulah, if we actually have sincere intention to reconcile, then it's impossible that reconciliation cannot happen. It will definitely happen. We see this, for example, again in the husband and wife scenario. The reason I'm talking about husband and wife, parents and kids, business partners at this level is because each one of you is a shepherd and will be asked about his flock. The king, he is responsible for this whole kingdom. And he will be asked regarding the entire kingdom. The father, head of the household, he is responsible for his household. He will be asked about them. And the wife is responsible for the wealth and the children of the husband and the family. She will be asked regarding that. And every single person is responsible based on his level. So, if this was, for example, a gathering of leaders of Muslim countries who have authority, they have jurisdiction over the armies of their countries, the military, the budget. So, we would have to talk at that level. That what are you doing as Muslim leaders? creating unity you know, globally. We're, we're not at that macro level. Not, I mean, some may be in future, not yet. Right. So the thing is, we are responsible. We have to continue. It doesn't mean we don't care about globally what's happening. We make dua globally for all the oppression that's taking place, the disunity that's taking place. But the problem with the ummah is that we just like to sit back in our parties and complain about, you know, so-and-so country is doing this, so-and-so country is doing that, civil war here, aggression there and you know these leaders don't have it right and they're just you know uh, milking the system and they're all cheaters and they're and they're doing this and that they're all, we, we, we mentioned the crimes of all these leaders and majority of them illa mashallah are criminals I'm not denying that but the thing is they're going to be asked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they, Allah ta'ala is going to question the day of judgment based on how much authority and power Allah Ta'ala gave them. And they have a huge reckoning. May Allah make it easy for them and for us. Guide them and guide us. Forgive them and forgive us. But the thing is, Allah Ta'ala says, these kings, people of the past, present, anyone for that matter, they will face what they earn and you will face what you earn. You will not be asked regarding what they did. You will be asked, did, did you make dua? Did you raise your voice against injustice? And did you establish justice in whatever jurisdiction Allah had given you? Under your roof? And whatever authority Allah had given you? Did you establish the deen there? Did you try to bring unity and, and hold on firmly to the rope of Allah, the book of Allah, within the capacity Allah has granted you? So let us focus on ourselves. So I was saying, if the husband and wife, they want reconciliation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, this is the shart, this is the condition. If the husband and wife both want reconciliation. Yurida is a key word, meaning it's a dual verb. If one, if the husband, he really wants to reconcile, but the wife has other ideas, or the wife really wants to make it work for the sake of the children and family, whatever her reasons may be, the guy is not interested. It's not going to work. Well, it could work. There's no promise. The promise from Allah, which is definite promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in which there is la fi, no doubt, is If the husband and wife both sincerely want to make it work, then guess what? It's impossible that it won't work out. We can say with 100% conviction, it will work out. How so? Allah said, Allah will grant His tawfiq and guidance and will make it happen, reconcile them so that they will have a blissful marriage. They'll be united. Subhanallah. If the condition is not there, the promise is not there. So if there is no genuine intention to make it work, there is no promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Either one party doesn't have the intention or both don't have the intention. 
then it's doubly going to fail, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if the people start fighting and arguing, your job is that you need to work hard to reconcile. So we live in such a day and age where people are like, live and let live. Whatever. You know, don't worry about anyone, don't worry about anything. Just do your own thing. No, it is our responsibility that if we see families breaking up, if we see things, if we see disunity ha happening, then we should take an active interest in trying to mend affairs of the ummah and try to create muhabba. Lying, for example, is such a uh, hated sin. The curse of Allah descends upon those who lie. And Lying leads towards sin and sin leads towards the fire. A person continues to lie until in the book of Allah he's written as a kathab, as a great liar. And once he's a great liar, his name is written on the door of Jahannam, he must enter it. So lying is such a major sin. But sulah and reconciliation is so desirable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Slightly exaggerating things. I don't want to even stand here and say lying is okay to reconcile. But with the intention. You know, normally if you want to use the terms white lies and black lies, all lies are, are haram. Um, but if we slightly bend the truth, which is something, as I said, you would never condone from the pulpit. With the intention of reconciliation, Subhanallah, it is permissible. That's how important reconciliation is to create unity. This is referring to <coughs> again rulers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them armies, has given them authority in the land. They have to they can go out against rebels and subjugate them, those who are rebelling against the central authority. Having unity is such a desired objective in the deen that in a true Islamic khilafah, even if the khalifa is not the most God-fearing, righteous person, you know, when he says, okay, let's, let's do the um, ceremony of putting the foundation stone of the, of the masjid, the, some of the kings of the past, who hasn't, Mrs. Tajid for 40 years. No one is there. So the king says, oh, I, didn't, I was going to hide my secret. And then he goes and puts the foundation stone. You know, we have stories of different pious kings of the past. Not, of course, majority of kings were not so pious. Does it mean that we disrupt the unity and start rebelling against the king? The Amir Mu'minin. There is no Amir Mu'minin right now. Let me be clear. Right? I'm talking about at a theoretical level. If there was some Amir Mu'minin. So just because... He is not the most righteous person. They may be far more um, deserving candidates in the ummah from the taqwa perspective, ilm perspective, knowledge, and have hikbah and wisdom and all the necessary attributes of leadership. But there's something that's more uh, higher in the list of, of priorities and that is to maintain the unity. If you're going to start a rebellion, a civil war, how many innocent lives will be lost? So that is why ita'a and obedience of the Amir al-Mu'minin is such an important part of our deen. Like Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, he prayed salah behind you know, the likes of Hajjaj ibn Yusuf, al-Saqafi. He, he didn't rebel against the Banu Umayyah. Those who did, that was their ijtihad. We're not blaming them as well. Radiallahu anhuma ajma'in. So there are Commands for the Amir Mu'minin. That's what Allah Ta'ala is saying here. That the rebellion should be squashed because maintaining the unity in the Ummah is of paramount importance. We spoke about fiqh differences as well. One of the qaida fiqhiyah is one of the principles in fiqh, maxims, usul, principle, is qada'u al-qadi yarfa'u al-khilaf. If there's an Amir Mu'minin, in the Amir Mu'minin, he appoints a qadi, the judge, the qadi al-qadat for the entire Islamic khilafah. You may be a great muhaqqiq, mudaqqiq, scholar, par excellence, like there's no scholar like you ever in the world. 
whatever opinion you have, you're entitled to have your own personal opinion. But if the Amir al-Mu'mineen appointed a Qadi and that Qadi passed a verdict, then to maintain the harmony and unity within the Ummah, Qadaul Qadi, the decision of the judge appointed by the Amir al-Mu'mineen, Yarfar al-Khilaf, is the end of the debate. There's no further debate on the matter. SubhanAllah. So maintaining the cohesion in the unity is so important. And that's something that we are lacking in America. Like one of the biggest battles, for example, that happens yearly is the moon wars coming to a masjid near you. Right? So the reason we have these moon wars, the halal and the hilal, these battles, is because lack of a central authority. So whether there are people following calculation, whether there are people following Saudi sighting, whether there are people following local sighting, then within local sighting, there's so many different versions of local sighting. Continental United States, 48 states, or Canada, Mexico, extend the matla to South America, where do you accept the sighting from? We don't accept California, it's too far in the west. Different Hilal committees. So there's, there's a New York Hilal committee, Central Hilal committee, Chicago Hilal committee, Toronto Hilal committee, so many different. These Hilal committees apparently are following, not apparently, haqiqatan, they are following ru'yat, but so shouldn't all have be, you know, uh, come up with the same judgment at the same time? So what's the problem? The problem is again, lack of central authority. So unity is something that we actively have to make the decision, oh, we want to be united. And we have to take steps to be united. We have to have the will, the desire, and we have to, our leaders all, and uh, have to, subhanAllah, make this an agenda item, a priority, and take steps to achieve it, otherwise it will never happen. Whereas in the past, when you had the Darul Islam, and the Khilaf Islamiyah, then the unity was there by default. So it's a, it's a, so the problem here is that all of these people who have the different opinions, everyone is trying to follow Quran and Sunnah. But we don't have a central authority. So, like for example, in the Catholic faith, a person, he doesn't agree with the Pope, that's totally fine, but guess what? He just, leaves, he just becomes an apostate from the Catholic faith. Murtad from the Batal religion. SubhanAllah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, we, subhanAllah, when I was in, I was taking some community college courses, and the one who was teaching, this is like in 1997, before I went to South Africa. So the, the most unqualified person perhaps to teach a world religions course was a apostate Murtad Catholic priest. <laughs> so he, he used to be a priest, and then he abandoned the Catholic faith. And he's teaching world religions. Darkness upon darkness. If he takes out his hand, he cannot see it. Allah Ta'ala says. Like you can't see your own hand. The one Allah doesn't create nur for him, there is no nur for him. So, you know, if you want to be Catholic, you got to follow what the Pope says. If you, you disagree with the Pope, Fine, go ahead, disagree. But guess what? You're not Catholic anymore. You're ex-Catholic. You can become Protestant, or you can become something else. Or you can become agnostic, atheist, your choice. Right? It's a free country. But you can't be a Catholic. So this is having a central authority. So we, don't, we, we are lacking that. Right? That's why you know, everyone is pushing their own agenda. So, this is, so when we have these fights, this is just a symptom of a bigger disease. The bigger disease is... We, we, we don't have a central authority. Why I was mentioning this about the central authority in the Hakim is because of this ayah here. I'm, I'm going to have to skip over that because this is addressing the Hakim. Because we are not going to say, pick up weapons and start attacking the rebels. This is what the ayah says, by the way. Start fighting against the aggressors. So for the record, there is no vigilante justice in Islam. You can't you can become the judge, jury, executioner by yourself and start implementing Sharia law, right? <laughs> Can I do that? This is, not some, this is not an interfaith gathering or to appease someone else or just to be politically correct. This is Islamically correct. You can't do that. That's what the deen teaches us. So this is, a, in a proper context, if there is an Amir Mu'minin, there is a Khilafah Islamiyah, then Allah is saying the Amir Mu'minin has the right to even have an armed response against those who are creating corruption and creating mutiny and rebellion because maintaining unity is so important. Subhanallah. 
Maintaining unity is so important that the biggest crime possible. What's the biggest crime? The biggest sin under the earth, under the sky, on the earth is shirk. In the shirka, the dhulman azim is the greatest form of injustice, greatest oppression. In Allah, la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never forgive shirk. Besides shirk, Allah may choose to forgive whichever sin he wants. So shirk is the ultimate biggest crime. So when Musa salam went to Mount Tur and he came back, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that look what happened to your people that you left behind. And he came back and he was so upset. He was so upset that how come they started worshipping the calf, the golden calf, that somebody, it's a long story in Surah Taha, that he, he got them worshipping the, the golden calf. So who was appointed as his khalifa, as his representative, as the next in charge, his substitute amir, imam, was Harun alayhi salam, his brother. So he goes and he grabs the beard and the hair of the head of his brother and starts shaking him. <laughs> and he was so upset. So Harun alayhi salam, he tells, um, he responds to Musa alayhi salam, and he says, he could have just said, Ya, ya Akhi, oh my brother. But he took the wasila and he wanted to soften the heart of the brother who's so mad by taking the name of the mother. Because as a son, he has a soft spot for his mother. So he said, Yabna Um, oh the son of my mother. The son of the mother is who? The brother. He said, Yabna Umma, oh, my, oh the son of my mother. Because if you love your mother, then guess what? I'm her son too, right? So this is Tawassul right there. He said, Yabna Umma, oh the son of my mother. Who's your mother? We're, we're both sons of the same mother. لا تأخذ بلحيتي Don't grab my beard. ولا برأسي Leave my hair. Stop. You're pulling on it. إني خشيت أن تقول فرقت بين بني إسرائيل I let this shirk happen temporarily, by the way. He's not like, shirk is okay. We already covered that. Qadianism is not okay. Shiism is not okay. Right? But he said, I temporarily tolerated the shirk for a while. Because I knew you're coming back, and when you come back, we can deal with it. As you are the Kalimullah, Kalamullah, Musa Taklima, you speak to Allah Ta'ala, and you can handle it. Because I didn't want to divide up the Ummah. Subhanallah. I didn't want to divide up the Ummah. That's why the scholars, when they speak about wujub of Nahi Anil Munkar, why it's wajib to speak out against Munkar, there are 12 sharai conditions for that when it's wajib, you must speak out. So one of them already covered that it has to be an actual munkar. It can't be something there is a difference of opinion about. Like, hey, how come you didn't say ameen loudly, say it softly? Or how come you didn't spread your legs like this? Or how come you didn't raise your hands in salah? Or all of these fiqh differences of opinion people fight about. And one of the other shart and conditions for why, when it is wajib, you must speak out against wrong, is if you know for a fact that this will not create a huge fitna in the ummah. If, if it's going to create a huge fitra, then you don't speak out about it right away. You still regard the evil in your heart and you work on changing the condition slowly with hikmah and wisdom. You don't have to go out and uh, make such a big noise about it that it ends up dividing up the ummah. You have to approach it with wisdom. Sometimes you don't approach it head on, you approach it uh, uh, later in a more appropriate manner. So this is what Harun alayhi salam, subhanallah, he said. He tolerated shirk for a while. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the, to the Amir that you can have armed response against these people who are creating rebellion within the ummah. If they come back, if they repent, then Still be just with them. This is what happened in the Khawarij. These were rebels against Ali radiallahu anhu. You know, they, they took the eye of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ati'u Allah wa ati'u rasul. Obey Allah and the Rasul. And they said, you know, inul hukmu illa lillah. Only all authority rests with Allah. So get rid of Ali radiallahu anhu, na'udhu billah, and Mu'abi radiallahu anhu, and Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu. They hashed a plan to simultaneously assassinate all three of them after Fajr on the same day. And three murderers were dispatched. And they thought this is the biggest good deed they are doing. And 
Abdurrahman ibn Muljim, such a beautiful name. This is the murderer, the qatil who attacked Ali radiallahu anhu and killed him. So Ali radiallahu anhu fought against these rebels because they were uh, violating the sanctity of the Amir Mu'mineen and creating dissension in the Ummah. But if they come back, then be just with them. Don't continue to harbor uh, you know, hatred against them. And be just. Because at the end of the day, Allah says in the next ayah, the believers are brothers. Reconcile amongst your brothers. Do not harbor hatred, adawa. And what are those means that will create disunity? Allah Ta'ala speaks about them. It starts with simple things. Don't mock one another. The people you're mocking, they may be better than you in the eyes of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. As Imam Ghazali mentioned, we heard, the younger one has less sins than us, the older one has more good deeds than us. Women should not mock women, men should not mock men. The scholars say the reason they're mentioned separately is because in social settings they don't mix. In an Islamic mu'ashara, there's no possibility why would a man be mocking women to begin with? Because they don't mix. Nor would the women be mocking men, nor would the men be mocking women. That's why Allah Ta'ala says, Men should not mock men. And nor should women mock women. Because men mingle with men and women mingle with women. In an Islamic society. Don't call each other bad names. Don't mock one another. Don't ridicule one another. And this is a major sin in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And avoid having suspicious uh, thoughts. Have good thoughts about people. Having these negative thoughts is a sin in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the regression. It's not progression, but rather regression. First, the person has a negative thought. He's like, oh, this guy must be up to this. Then he wants to prove it. He wants to prove himself to be right. So how does he prove himself? He starts spying on the individual. And once he spies on the individual, sooner or later he'll find something wrong because all of us are sinners. All son of Adam and daughters of Hawa are sinners. By default, Rasulullah said so. And the best of the sinners are those who repent from their sin. It's a very uniquely worded hadith. You know, you'll say the best students or the best uh, musalli or the best righteous person or the best, you know, normally it's a positive thing. But here is the best of the sinners. Because first of all, he, he said every son of Adam and every human being is a sinner. And the best of the sinners are those who repent from their sins. So you'll find some sin. And then that's the second prohibition. And then the third is, after you find the sin, then you don't keep it yourself. Okay, fine. You know, I had the internal conflict, whether I was right or wrong. Now I'm proven right. Yes, the guy is up to this wrong. He's doing this sin. Now I'm happy to know that. Is that the end of the story? No, it is not. What happens? Then you start broadcasting it. You start sharing that. What is that called? Of course, that's riba, backbiting. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions these three prohibitions. Number one, He says, Don't have suspicious thoughts to begin with. Then He says, Don't spy. The spying is what? To prove the suspicion is right. And if you find something wrong, Don't start backbiting one another. Do you wish to eat the flesh of your dead brother? How despicable that would be to eat the carrion dead meat of a, of a human being. You would dislike it. Worse indeed is backbiting. The sin of backbiting. Then Allah Ta'ala concludes the passage that I will be sharing. Is, this male and female that we have. And these nations and tribes and clans that are there. The purpose of this is not that one is better than the other. Inherently, men are not better than women, or women better than men, or black is better than white, or white is better than black. No superiority for Arab over Ajam. Ajam being non-Arab over Arab, Arab over non-Arab. White over black, black over white. No inherent superiority, except for those based on taqwa. So Allah Ta'ala says, 
The reason we have created different tribes and clans so you can recognize one another, know one another, be identified. In akramakum Allah, verily the noblest amongst you in the eyes of Allah Ta'ala, atkhakum are those who have taqwa. So all of the disunity is based on you know tribalism, our color, my color, my language, my country, nationalism. Like Hajj, for example, is the purpose of Hajj is that everyone comes in the same ihram, right? And we break down all of these barriers. But unfortunately, the way it's set up is that everything is divided by, again, nationalism, by the passports, by the... This is how Mina, where everyone... I mean, I'm not blaming anyone here, but I'm just saying that there has to be some order, so perhaps that's... Uh, would make sense for those who are organizing the Hajj. May Allah accept them and guide them. And forgive their mistakes and our mistakes. Allah Akbar. And protect us from fitan that are coming in the Holy Lands and throughout the world. The purpose of all these nationalities is so that you recognize one another. Not that you feel that you're better than any other person. إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ So this is the whole passage that Allah Ta'ala speaks about in Surah Al-Hujurat with regards to creating unity. So the last take home lesson to reiterate for all of us uh, is that unity is necessary for our success as an ummah. We have to globally have that concern, make dua, speak out against injustice in any form. But at the same time, you know, there are those who just give up on Unity in the world, world peace. They say that, you know, that's so naive to even think about that ever happening. And their hearts become desynthesized by overexposure to violence. They could care less. They have, you know, dead hearts. So that is not acceptable. We should have that pain. But that pain has to be in moderation. I also have to mention. Because we have such gentle young souls, young children. When they see all of this as happening, it's not hidden from them then they become so overwhelmed, they're not able to process it. And they say like, look at all this injustice happening, all the minorities throughout the world that are suffering today. I don't have to take any names. Because if you start taking names, you'll take a few names and you'll miss other names. And there's no agenda that I prefer, that I'm, you know, I'm more concerned about some loss, I'm not concerned about the other loss. That's why if you say, Allahumma, you know, help uncertain Muslimin, from the east to the west, all the Muslimin throughout the world, that are being under oppression. So what happens is that their hearts, you know, they become despondent in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, how can this happen? So a consolation for them, primarily consolation for those themselves who are the victims of aggression and for those who are being affected by seeing the dhulm is that they can realize that subhanAllah, there's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's watching and He is the Malik Yawmuddin, the master of the day of judgment and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will avenge those who are wronged. Whoever is undergoing any dhulm in the Muslim today, they'll receive so much reward for their sabr on the day of Qiyamah that they will wish that they would be sent back in the world and more dhulm could be done upon them when they see how great the reward is for being patient. This will be a means of forgiving all their sins and elevating their status further in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So hold on firmly to that hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inshaAllah grant them amazing ajr in the akhirah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish the aggressors. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will establish justice on that day. And this is a test of Allah ta'ala in this world. And the result is coming very soon, very near insha'Allah. Allah says, you think it's far away, I'm telling you, it's very, very near. The time for reckoning is drawing very near. So this is with respect to globally having peace and unity. And with respect to us, that we are responsible is within our families, within our extended families, within our communities, within our masjid. How can we achieve unity? Is that we all have to submit to the will of Allah. Give up our own agendas, our own ideas, our own what our nafs ammara bisu is heading and leading us towards disobedience of Allah. And if we submit to Allah, inshaAllah, there will be unity. Just like there was among the Sahaba, Ridwanullah Ta'ala, alayhim ajma'in. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to bring this into practice and create unity, such unity that will inshallah foster 
a positive community for our next generation to grow up in and to may Allah Ta'ala grant our leaders, our elders of the community, the foresight, the wisdom, the hilm, the sabr, forbearance uh, to inshallah overcome their personal egos and leave their personal differences aside, look at the greater objective, sacrifice one's own shahwat, desires and mashallah create such a platform where we can all be united this is something that we all are dreaming for. This is something we all are wishing for. This is all that we have to make dua for and see guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the same time, ensure we are implementing in whatever level of jurisdiction Allah has given us. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq. We'll conclude with uh, some dhikr and dua when Mufti uh, al will be conducting. And let us inshallah participate in this final dhikr before the end of the gathering. And then inshallah we'll see everyone tomorrow. Fajr. We have the Team Fajr program. The rest of the Sierra program is continuing from Dohar. Zakum Allah khair.